podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in nighttime, beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their reactions to Liverpool 2, IX1 in the Champions League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Harry Setti. Dave, I'm going to keep this brief. Thank Christ for that. Yeah, very much so, Trev. Very, very much so. I mean, I, I think we deserve the win. I, I think the performance was absolutely deserving of the win. I thought we were by far the better team. I thought they looked very uh, haggard at times in the first half. They looked panicked. They were falling down and pretending to be injured because they wanted to slow the game down because they couldn't cope with us. They changed their left back and their left side centre back early because Mo was having blind for, for dinner and they put Bassi out there. I thought the movement of Jota, Diaz's threat from the left all had them backpedaling endlessly I thought look we could do a five air pod now on Thiago because that was a magnificent performance by the Spaniard in midfield he he was just on a completely different level to every other player on the pitch and look I, I just we made it a little bit dif- more difficult than we should have but I, I just can't see any way that anyone could make an argument that we were comfortably the better team tonight yeah it, it's it's not it's not a viable position to adapt at all uh every statistic backs it up the eye test backs it up and the scoreline in the end backed it up but just a little bit too narrowly from my liking the only thing i would say is that we do seem to have that um ongoing uh issue around a certain amount of frailty in defense they're, when you yeah they're, but their goalkeeper also seemed to have like his lucky rabbit's foot and his lucky horseshoe and whatever else people use for luck with him tonight because he made three or four saves where the ball just hit him and he didn't really know a whole lot about it and he got very very lucky on three or four different occasions whereas in a normal game they just go in and we win that comfortably yeah, even one time there was a, a shot that came in. It was a fairly decent dig, and he parries it well. And one of their own players drives it back goalward, and it just manages to go straight into his arms again. So they had an element of fortune about them. And I look forward to 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 breaking all that down. Certainly, they also had a referee who obviously just liked the look of Shirley Bassey there in the defence because Big Shirley got away with murder all night. At one stage, Big Shirley had her hands all over Mo and then decided to push Mo over right in front of our Portuguese buddy's uh, uh, eyes. He gave not a jot. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to get into the details of the match. And Harry, to bring you in at the start as well, I mean, 
it is really relief more than any other emotion at the moment if we're all being perfectly honest I can yeah. honestly say that the reaction I had to Joel's goal at the celebration <laughs> whatever the hell came out of me Harry I, I'm a bit scared of myself I, I, I think I went a bit sort of cross-eyed at one stage it was very intense it was like thank God for that and um, that was so needed and of course we went on to uh have to watch Fab uh, easing a lad off the ball in the 94th minute in our own box. So we mm. still didn't make it easy for ourselves. It, it, I, I don't want to say it's a mixed bag. I totally get where Dave's going. And yet you can see how if the sort of bad vibes that had been around the place had continued, you wouldn't have been surprised if that had been a 1-1 or if they had nicked it with a daily blind header across the face of goal or something like that. It wouldn't have been deserved. And that's what you have to hang on to, Harry, here, isn't it? That the performance, as I say, backed up by every statistic you want to put your paws on there, was worthy of the win. Yeah, no, I think I said after the game, I mean, that's that's a Liverpool side I actually recognise. You know, I, th- I think that's what's been the the scary thing for all of us in, in, in the recent games and watching this team and actually not recognising who you're seeing. You recognise the faces, you recognise the players who've been out there, but the performances they've been putting in uh, you know, as a, as a collective and individually as well, uh, have just been things you've not been used to seeing really from these players. So, I mean, yeah, I, I was probably even somewhere in the back of my mind prepared to um, sort of accept that sort of bad luck that you were talking about there, Trev. If it had happened, if Daily Blind sort of nails that header, for example, and and they and they pull off a sort of a smash and grab because we did dominate the game, I thought, but. Uh, the, yeah, the level of performance, the intensity, uh, and one thing I noticed um, throughout the entire game as well that I was I was really happy with as well was just the attitude um, of the players to each other. They seem, they seem to be demanding uh, a level of intensity from each other that we haven't seen in recent games. Right? They, they, they were they were they were on each other if there was a loose pass or a short pass or you know one that was difficult to control. They were on each other when they. Uh, you know, someone backed up somebody else and sort of uh, you know, was doing some sweeping in defence or won a big tackle. There was yeah, there was a little bit more of that unity and that sort of demanding of a level from each other that I think I thought you saw today that was really, really, really encouraging as well. And a couple of individual performances I think that we'll, we'll probably highlight. Dave mentioned Tiago, the obvious one. Just you know, I think there was <laughs> never any doubt that him coming in or for Milner in that position was going to be a sort of a light years upgrade, but you know, I thought Simicast as well was, was outstanding today as well. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're a good side. They've started the season really well, Ajax. And so, you know, you'd be, be forgiven for thinking they're coming to Anfield full of confidence and they did, but yeah, I, I do agree with sort of the, the majority. I thought they did struggle for large portions of that game and were quite lucky. Yeah. That the, we, we aimed every single shot seemingly straight down the keeper's throat uh, that they didn't come away with a sort of a bigger defeat. Yeah, I'm glad you flagged up Casas early on as well because along oh, with Thiago, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he, I thought I've I've seen somebody recently describe um, uh, Luis Diaz as a war machine, and I really liked it. I liked it as a phrase. I thought it really sums him up. He's he's such a fantastic lad, Luis Diaz. But Costas has that dog in him as well. And he backs it up as well with a, a good touch and great mm. pace and great determination and all that type of thing. And uh, there was a few times, and, I, I, and I, I'm going to just extend a, a wee olive branch early on in the goings here 
to Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. And a couple of 1v1s defensively, he did brilliantly, as did Costas. And it was then linked on and, and, and continued on and, and launched counterattacks from those 1v1 wins in defence. So both of yeah. the lads will have gotten something from that. And I don't know about you, Harry, but, you know, it's... Andy Robbo is Andy Robbo. He will always, always, always have, uh, you know, probably the, the, the Indians or the, the, the dibs on the, um, the, 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 the position. However, maybe he does need a time out of the spotlight. Maybe the injury is not a bad thing because this kid is fantastic. And, and I love the idea of Andy Robbo having to up his standards to be better than Costas. That's only good for us. Yeah, no, I think I, we spoke about it at points last season as well. We've we definitely spoken about it before around, you know, you you like to believe that you're 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 watching your manager employ like a a meritocracy in yeah, and in football, sort of, you often managers talk about that sort of stuff, but you know, in reality, you rarely see it. And I think there are plenty of opportunities, or plenty of points at last season where we've seen sort of Simicast reach a uh, a higher level consistently than perhaps Robert has done for periods of of the last couple of seasons. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that that's been one of the things that we've been, we've been bemoaning over the past, past few weeks, you know, the, the players who have been putting in poor performance levels, uh, just starting game after game after game for no, you know, when, when there have been in certain positions, alternatives that have been available. So I'm not, I'm not digging Robert, uh, <laughs> Robert, so I'm, I'm not digging Robbo out, but I thought Simicast, you know, he, he, he was excellent today, and not only just the delivery and the quality on the ball that he brought, but I thought the uh, the intensity of his defending. And then when he actually did get back and win some of those you know, sort of really important tackles, showing loads of composure in those moments, really classy sort of feints and touches in those areas, uh, and then not just you know not just smashing the ball clear, actually looking to start counter attacks as well. So yeah, I thought it was um, probably one of his classiest uh, showings. For sure. We got a few um, questions came in at the start. I was having a glance there while uh, Dave was 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 uh, waxing lyrical about his uh, favourite wee Argentinian lad. Um, and I did notice them. And I'm going to try and, if I can, work them into our discussion here. And it's a bit atypical to do anything other than get straight to the teams and, and into, the, uh, into the match moments. But... I'm just seeing something here that's come in from Ali in the chat and um, he's talking mm. about a lot of people digging uh, Darwin out uh, for his performance this evening. And I'd like us to have our usual balanced discussion about this, even if it is a balance because one fellow goes one way mad and one way one fellow goes the other way mad. <laughs> I, here's, here's where I am on Darwin Nunes and his contributions to date, and especially tonight. Let's, if we take tonight as a sort of a microcosm of it, you're going to see what you want to see, obviously. That's, that is, mm. that's the law of, law of the jungle. I... I I must be the exception to that because all I wanted to see was Darwin Nunes doing brilliant things. And he actually, in this particular cameo appearance tonight, scared the living shit out of me with some of his touches and how uncertain he was looking as he was driving towards bylines and stuff like that. That said, as the game went on, there did seem to be a fast improvement in what it was that he was doing and he was involved in a couple of major uh, uh, opportunities. I don't know if it's fair in the slightest to fault him for the missed chance uh, that he did have. 
but I would say we do need to have a certain amount of balance here because people are, I suppose, expecting that we're immediately going to get a prime, primo, superstar, silky-touched, wonderkind, uh, worthy of the... Obviously, we all know he cost $100 million, uh, gazillion dollars because that's quoted all the time. So just to get that kind of out of the way early, I want to get a take from both of you on Darwin and and, and, and and his goal. Harry, I'm with you, so I might as well stay with you. What did you make of him this evening? Or more more to the point, what have you made of him in general so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen more of him, I think. And I think the more that we see of him and, and, and the more that he plays, the more he's going to become accustomed to the players around him. Obviously, he's training and he's been here for a while now, but I think this is what, maybe eight? Maybe eight? Uh, Appearances, maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, in, in in terms of you know, starting games, I mean, I think that's the that's the only way in which he's going to actually really get accustomed to the ways in which this team play, some of the interplay with the with the forwards that he's going to be starting with, um, sort of understanding sort of how to dovetail with them um, as effectively as possible. I was I was similar to you, Trev. I thought he looked a little bit rusty when he came on, a couple of loose touches, sort of maybe struggled to get up to the pace of the game immediately but then after you know after about maybe five ten minutes if we're being generous um i thought he yeah he he did start to grasp sort of how he could be effective in the game there were a couple moments there as you mentioned that he was involved in some big moments there was the uh obviously the miss and you you want him to be getting up to speed to a point where he's, he's, he's bagging those regularly i think he might always be a player that looks slightly awkward <laughs> just because of um uh, sort of the size of him and the fact that he's actually quite you know, he's quite quick for his size as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought the chance in particular where he you know runs the makes a good run, gets the ball, drags it back, and then actually nearly sets up Diaz for uh, Diaz for a tap in again, sort of showing showing that he was uh, he, he was getting up to the speed of the game, understanding how he could be more um, as effective as possible. I think it's going to take time. I think the fact that he was signed the same summer as the likes of Haaland, you know, who's uh, much more sort of you know, established and sort of the player who he is, I suppose, at the moment. He's always going to get these comparisons. I think there's always going to be um, some some harsh judgment both ways. But uh, yeah, so so far I'm not I'm not too unhappy with, with what I've seen, apart from the fact that he missed. God knows what three games because of his, his own stupidity, uh, or not not realizing that the player was taller than he thought when he squared up to him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, I I think it will come when maybe maybe that's because I want you know I want to believe that, but I, I can see enough promising signs. I mean, I, I certainly don't come away from that thinking God that was awful. You know, we've been conned. We saw about half an hour of Darwin this evening, uh, Dave, yeah. uh, and, and 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 just. Just to get your take on it, um, Harry there has said, you know, pretty much the same as myself. At the start, you were kind of wincing a little bit. And I, I, I'm just being honest. I want, I want to be honest about this because I felt the lad that I was watching there uh, had a sort of a, a, a lack of, 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 of sophistication in the things that he was doing and the touches that he was making. And then, you know, I remember the great things that I've seen from this player. And I watched him on the left and I thought, God, I'm really not sure what we're getting here. And again, it's a small sample size. Like I said, was it probably less than 30 minutes, Dave? But again, it's, 
completely unfair to judge and yet absolutely fair for us to judge based on this half hour that we saw from this evening in a game where we really need this guy that we've we have paid quite a good lot of money for to be um massively effective for us um if we're gonna sort of straighten the uh the 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 the, the downward curve that this season has gone on um so how do you reckon he's measuring up to date and uh what's your take on the the excesses one way or the other on him in terms of the estimation of 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 where he's at today was darwin's sixth appearance for liverpool including the community shield and he has now played roughly 270 minutes inclusive of the community shield which equates to three full games of football yeah i think to make any kind of judgment on him now would be utterly stupid uh, stupid uh, let me ask you this, Trev. Describe in one word Liverpool's performance as a team against Fulham. Uh, pain. Against Crystal Palace. One word? One word. Better. Better. Against Everton. Dog shit. And against Napoli. Two words here, shoot me. Yeah, these are the games he's played in. So he's come into a team that is playing appalling football and he's been asked to go on and be the saviour in the majority of these performances. You said better for Crystal Palace. I'll remind everybody, he started against Crystal Palace and was playing quite well before he got himself sent off. He came on against Fulham and he changed the game. He got a goal and an assist to get us back into that game. He scored in the charity shield, tore Man City apart in his 29-minute cameo, or however long it was. Before tonight, the only time he had shared the field with Thiago, Trent and Mo, the three creative outlets of this team, was the charity shield. At no other point had he been on the pitch with the three of them. So he's not playing with our best creative players. And he's not the type that will create for himself. He requires them to create the chances for him. And he hasn't had the opportunity to play with them. And now, you make, you, and just to cut across your, yourself to reinforce the point that you're making so everybody gets it. The context is that he's coming into a situation almost on every occasion. Against City, we were obviously clearly underdogs. Uh, against, uh, in, in all the other situations... He's coming in, and there's a massive amount expected of him. Yeah. And, and, and the and team is playing and, terribly. And the team is playing dog shit. We're absolutely so, miles off where we should be. So, so that's the context. Harry mentioned Erling Haaland, right? And that is going to be the comparison that's made. And obviously Haaland has scored a ton of goals. The difference is City can carry Haaland when he does nothing other than score goals. Because they, as a team, are playing really well. And if you go back and you look at the games that Haaland has played this season, he played against West Ham, he did nothing, then he won a penalty, and then he scored a second. He played against Bournemouth, he was awful. He played against Palace, he was awful, and then he scored a hat-trick. Like, Haaland is playing in a situation with a team that can carry him offering nothing else other than goals. Haaland is playing in a situation where his team create 
such a high volume of chances that it would be impossible for him not to score goals. And look at the goals that he's scoring. The vast majority of them are tap-ins because they're creating tap-in chances. We don't create any of those chances. He gets one chance tonight, and yes, he should do better, but I don't think he was expecting Mo to pass because I know I wasn't expecting Mo to pass in that scenario. Can anyone say that when Mo got that ball, they thought Mo will pass here? No, we all thought he'd get on his left foot and he'll shoot because that's what Mo would normally do in that position because Mo is great enough to do that. Look, there are definitely certain parts of Darwin's game that need to be improved. His touch is iffy. He does snatch at chances, but those things come from nerves. This is a 23-year-old who's made a massive move to one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's the first time he's really been on a massive stage because as big a club as Benfica are, most people don't watch the Portuguese league. There isn't a global audience for the Portuguese league. There isn't enormous pressure at at Benfica. There is at Liverpool, especially when you're coming in as this massive money signing and everybody's making a big deal of it, and you've turned down United to come here. So you're feeling that sort of pressure. And what there are times when it's very clear that, Hall, that, that Darwin is trying too hard. Do you know what he's like, Trev? He's like a young fella making his first attempt at opening a bra, and he's fumbling and bumbling at it. And, and he's like... That's what he reminds me of at times. But once he settles down, it's very, very smooth. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Soon he'll, he'll be soon, soon he'll be a one-handed maestro. Yeah, or he'll be the Joe Tribbiani <laughs> looking at it from across the room and it'll open. As he grew into that game tonight, everything about his performance improved. His touch mm. improved, his decision making improved, his passing improved. He was getting himself in some good positions. It will come. There is no doubt in my mind that it will come. Liverpool do not make mistakes. People can say Naby. Naby got injured. The only issue there's ever been with Naby is the injuries have absolutely ruined his body. Naby is still a fantastic player. And if we had the Naby that arrived from Leipzig now, that had that burst of pace, he'd be an automatic starter in the team without question. It will come with Darwin. And you know how I'm certain is because smart people looked at every single aspect of this kid and thought he's the one to go big on. And it's not just smart people at our club. It's smart people at Brighton, which are, who are one of the best run clubs in Europe. And two years ago, they went all in to try and get him from Almeria as well. And That's right. Multiple, they tried to get him, yeah. Yeah, if multiple really well run really smart clubs with high, high level recruitment departments are willing to go all in, push all the chips into the middle of the table for a player. You know that player is going to be good. It just is the, is the case. I don't have any concerns about this lad. I think he's going to be a star. Harry's right. He will always look a little bit awkward at times because he is big, he is strong, but he plays on his toes a little bit as well. And at times it can look like he's a little bit skittery, but it's because he's got that explosive pace and he doesn't want to get caught flat-footed. 
there are no doubts in my mind. This lad will be a star. It just needs time. And it just needs this team to function properly around him. Simple just, devil's advocate, just devil's advocate, guys, before we get into it. You mentioned all the great scouting teams that, uh, that found this. Weren't United also in for him as well? Yeah, but United scouted based on the goals he scored, not based on anything else. Watch some YouTube videos. Let me just say this. Eric Tan Hag came with his name from Ajax. Uh, Ajax had looked at him when he was at Almeria as well. Very true, very true. And they scout really well too. So, you know, that wasn't a United desire so much as a, a Ten Hag desire. And yeah. um, I, I think... I do think he will suit better a four-two-three-one than a four-three-three. Which I do we'll, think he will suit that better. And we look forward to seeing that. And actually, that's a lovely segue to the next section of the show. After uh, Harry said he goes in high chest height there at the end fair play to him uh, I want to talk about the Liverpool lineup and you know it was the lineup that pretty much uh, most people had been predicting and they most people had predicted that we would keep faith or Jurgen would keep faith with uh, Harvey Elliott in the midfield and that the front three would be Salah, Jota and Diaz. I don't know why most people were thinking that, but a lot of people, obviously the only other difference was Darwin for Jota. Uh, and the major uh, bone of contention ahead of the uh, match was the potential for selecting uh, Arthur instead of Harvey Elliott. The notion of playing a midfielder uh, who is an established one in that position, given how exposed Harvey had been defensively. Jürgen went with what Jürgen went with. I think we'll leave it for the match points to discuss how well that went, because I think it's quite obvious from that. Um, But I want to just briefly give some due deference to our uh, opposition tonight, who are Ajax, and they began with the 89-year-old pass fear in goal. And this kid has been, I say kid because I'm older than him, so I can, has been playing um, obviously quite well, if perhaps a little underemployed, uh, as Ajax have been storming to the top of their division um, and doing very well in the opening uh, round against Rangers, scoring four goals to zero uh, uh, against them. They had Wrench, You've got to love these names, by the way. I'm sorry, but you've got to love these names. Wrench and Timber and Bassey and all I could think of straight away was Shirley and Blint. And then they have Berghaus, Alvarez, Taylor and Tanich, Kudus and Bergwijn. And I listened, Dave, to you and Carl chat about uh, Ajax and what they might be and what they might do, how they might line up. Uh Sorry, I listened to you on your show. I listened to Carl and Guy talk about it on Scouted. And I think the only thing that was confusing some of you guys was like who possibly might uh, be the first sub because most of mo- most people were going with that as their lineup. On the bench, they have Stecklenburg, they have Davy Klassen, they had Brobby who came on, Ocampos. Um, who I heard um, uh, uh, on both shows uh, sort of high praise of as a signing. Kaplan, Luca, Sanchez, Grilich, who came on, Bass, Regier, Magellan. Um, I'm going to start 
just briefly with yourself, Dave, because I heard you go through it. And I'll go to Harry then, and then we'll get into the the uh, incidents of the match. Uh, you'd have to say, to be fair, this is an incredible uh, model that this club has. I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the re- on on a recent show, but I I was so fascinated talking to Jan about. Basically, Jan went to to Ajax as a kid, mm. and he was scooped up as the best uh, young Danish talent or you know, European talent available, and 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 so let's get that guy over here. So he does, you know, around a year. Christ, there, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. The, the 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 level of talent there at the club at the time is bananas. Team uh, names that everybody would 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 be familiar with um, from nineteen eighties football, and I, in fact seventies football as well. Uh, and he does his season there. Obviously, they win. Cruyff leads them to the title, and at the end of the season. He gets hooked and he and he's told Jan, "Listen, man, we're gonna sell you. We're gonna sell two other lads as well. Uh, so here's your choices." And they're still fucking doing that. That was 1984, Dave. They're still doing that. And Ajax were Ajax. Ajax won mm. back to three back to back Champions Leagues or European Cups, as it should still be known, uh, in the 70s with Cruyff. A, a, a remarkable side, a remarkable club with a huge status in the game. But they've landed this model that sees them offload their best players in a way that seems like frivolous. It seems fucking insane. And yet every single time they rebuild in a way that is both sustainable and effective. They're so admirable as a club. You have to oh, say yeah. that. They are. They're a model club. And just to throw out two names that Jan played with at, at Ajax, Marco van Basten and Frank Rijkaard, two of the players that defined the 80s. And um, Ajax have continued to produce incredible talent and find incredible talent since the likes of Burkamp and Clivert and Yari Littman and, and Van der Vaart and Schneider and Huntelaar and Suarez and just all these names down the years that were incredible. And, you know, we all remember, well, most of us, I think, will remember their um, European Cup winning side of, of 95 under Louis van Gaal, which was, you know, uh, one of the one of the best teams of the entire decade of the 90s. Produced the likes of Seydorf and Davids and, again, Clivert and Overmars was part of the team. It was just a phenomenal group. And Yari was in that team as well, right? And Yari was in that team, and Finidi George, and the two De Boers. And funnily enough, uh, Daly Blinn's father, Danny, and yeah. Reichardt were the centre-backs, and Michael Reitzig was right back, and Edwin van der Sar was the goalkeeper. It was a, it was a great team. Like, the balance was, was incredible. And they've just had this ability to find talent from the age of, like, six to 20 consistently and bring that talent in and nurture it and develop it. And when you look at that team that's lining out there tonight, you've got Wrench at right back, he's 2021, Julian Timber, 2021. They both came through the academy. Calvin Bassey, uh, Brendan Rodgers decided he wasn't going to make the grade at Leicester, let him go to Rangers on a free, developed Rangers, 
was outstanding for them. And Ajax paid 20 million to get him in in the summer to replace Martinez that went to United. Uh, Kenneth Taylor, who I still just don't believe is a Dutchman in midfield. He's also 2021. 20, Kudus is, I think, 22. They brought him in from Nordelsjend a couple of years ago. He played against us a couple of years ago in the Champions League and hurt his knee. And he'd arrived as massively high prospect, hurt the knee. And Ajax kind of took off under Ten Hag while he was out and were playing really well. And he never really got kind of a consistent run again. And they were going to loan him to Everton in the summer. But Schroeder decided to keep him and has been rewarded because he's been excellent. But, you know, like players like Dusan Tadic, for example, came to the Premier League. It didn't work. Ajax snapped him up and he's been incredible since he's gone back there. Um, Steven Bergwijn came to Spurs. didn't work. Ajax snapped him up, brought him back. He's been really good this season. So they just do this really, really well. And they've built a, a pretty strong squad. The only area I would say has some issues is the goalkeeping position because uh, Passphere is 38 and Stecklenburg, who's the number two, is 39. And yeah, that's not an ideal situation. I did have a, a moment tonight where, you know, Passphere had a grey hair, 38 years of age, and I thought, he's just too old. And then realised I'm nearly two years older than him. I nearly had to go to bed. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's just, it is one of them. But like, even you look at the bench and there's just more young talent and more clever signings. Like Florian Grilich, really good midfielder, was at Hoffenheim for years, linked to a bunch of clubs in the summer, but he's had some injuries and it scared a couple of clubs off. I believe he failed a medical at Brighton. But Ajax thought, you know what, we'll take a gamble. We'll get him in. And he has rewarded them thus far. George Sanchez or Jorge Sanchez, they bring on the right back. The young Mexican, he he does well again tonight. Brian Brobby was one of the few mistakes. They let him go on a free a couple of years ago, got him back on loan. He did well, so they bought him back for $16 million. But they'll sell him in a couple of years for 60 because that's what they do. They are a model club. They're one of the great clubs, and it, it always bothers me when people talk about Euro- European royalty and overlook the likes of them and Benfica, you know, teams that at different stages dominated Europe. Benfica back with Eusebio, Ajax with Cruyff, and then again with, with Van Hal winning it one year to the final the next. But this is this is since the 70s, 50 years of this marvellous culture at Ajax of build a team, sell the team, build a team, win a bunch, sell the team, build a new team, win a bunch, sell it, and just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And uh, they're, they're one of the great clubs, and I, I love when we draw them because I, I think it's it's important that we can recognise what a phenomenal club this is. Yeah, it's a classic European encounter, and I think the kind of people you're talking about there are, and you know, I hate to say it, but Liverpool fans in the ranks, the people who believe that football was invented in 1993, and uh, I can't help people like that. So, Harry, we should start the details of the match before uh, it gets uh, too close to midnight. Uh, Liverpool clearly went with a different sort of a lineup, and it was apparent from the start. We had some decent early pressure um, with Mo, with Harvey Elliott, and two of whom are involved in said shape. Uh, and in the early goings, there was a very wild Simicus half volley on four minutes. Then on eight, a dangerous delivery by Trent uh, from a free kick on the right-hand side went right across the face of goal. 
uh, with nobody getting on the end of it on 12 minutes. Uh, Joel Matip did quite well to block out Kudus from a decent ball by Tadic. And Tadic looked tidy and, and creative as you would expect him to be. And Kudus looked bright like you would expect him to be. Um, not a lot happens then until we go one up. And we go one up on 16 minutes. And it's Mo Salah. And there's a collective sigh of relief all around Liverpool uh, universe. Um, it comes from an alley clearance uh, stroke pass, which is knocked down by Luis Diaz. Two things here you could underrate. First of all, the direction of Ali's kick. Second of all, the ability of Luis Diaz to win that ball aerially and direct it to Diogo Jota, who takes a touch and then plays in Mo Salah. Jota is moving from left to right. Salah is obviously moving in from right to left. Uh, the pass is excellent, and the sweeping finish by Salah is a thing of beauty. It's... Uh, confident in a way that I think will have given an awful lot of people a sort of warm glow uh, because if we're being honest that's been the thing that we've all been missing since let's be honest traveling back as far as the AFCON uh, mm. yes most scored goals after that yes he did yes he scored a couple of goals this season but he has not been the guy who was uh sort of indisputably the best player in the world in the first half of last season. The guy who, if he had, if we had been lucky enough for him to remain in that form, um, we win either the Premier League or the Champions League and possibly both. And that's not an exaggeration. That's how could it be anything else? How could Real Madrid not have cried and pissed their pants if that Mo Salah had been facing them uh, in that final so it's a lovely thing to see any sign of us having the best player in the world again. Uh, that's all I want. Uh, I, how can you not love this guy? It was a really good opening by the Reds, is what I'm saying in summary, Harry. And it was all us, with that exception of the little intervention Joel had to make. And that in and of itself, and us scoring the first goal in the game, now we're starting to get back to where we need to be because... That was a pattern that was starting mm. to stick in the crawl, right? Yeah, first goal, huge, absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, I think you, I agree with everything you said there about the fact that it's, you know, it's obviously, it was it was great to see Salah throughout the game so involved or so much more involved than he has been uh, in in recent weeks. I, I think lots of us have talked about it, the fact that he was sort of marooned out uh, almost on the touchline and um needed to be one or two, three men at times to actually sort of get involved and actually get into the box and have a chance of looking like he was going to be threatening to score. And so, yeah, these sorts of moments, which I, I think we have to credit a lot to, to Ali. And I thought he was, again, uh, a real a real pillar for the team tonight, um, as he has been throughout this period when, you know, I, th- I think a lot of players have looked very shaky. A lot of our stalwarts have looked very shaky. Ali has been one of the constants, even though... It, uh, on on quite a few occasions, it's, it's not been enough. And against Napoli, it wasn't enough, even despite the fact that he made a number of sort of huge interventions. Uh, but his yeah, his distribution. We we can sometimes forget there are a number of points today where you know quick distribution, like excellent passes uh, from a goal kick, um, sort of half volleyed straight into the players' paths. Uh, and yeah, I think we'll probably come on to talk about Diaz's uh, sort of tenacity. I think it's, it's something that everyone's talked about so far because there's and still waiting for maybe the other parts of his game to to develop as he gets accustomed to 
to playing in this side. But yeah, the, the tenacity to win that in the air, uh, you know, crucial uh, header to win in the air, and Jota, as you mentioned, you, you know, lovely touch and sort of the, the correct pass that, that, that allowed Mo just to be able to set himself and and finish in the way in which he did. So. Yeah, it was it was a really really pleasing goal. I w- I wouldn't really have cared who scored it, in regards to you know, it, it, it being the first goal that and that being hugely important. But yeah, the the nature of the goal, I thought everybody involved in it and and the way in which Mo sort of sweeps it home in the end, really really positive. And, and yeah, I think I think it was only about thirty seconds prior to that the crowd were singing Salah's song. Uh, there was sort of a suggestion from the commentary I was listening to that he was, you know, he'd gone through this patch uh, of not looking like his his usual self. So to see him sort of sort of score in such a sort of calm way in the end was was great to see. And yeah, I think you're right, Trevor. We started with the right attitude, the right intensity. Um, a couple moments where it sort of maybe looked a little bit nervy, but that's that's to be expected considering the game that we'd come off. But yeah, it looked like we had the the right attitude from the off. Let me put you on the spot for a second and ask you about Diogo Jota because uh, I was really pleased with his contribution there like you were. I thought, generally speaking, I thought he had a really good night tonight. I I enjoyed most of what he did. I thought it was infinitely superior to what we've seen of him um, at the tail end of the last campaign and any bits he's been involved in in this. Uh, And I say that because there was more of a certitude about everything he did I, I that's the best way i can explain it he seemed to be more determined and 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 and, and had better end product whatever it was he was doing now i also understand the decision to hook him because you've got this perspective big star and we need to rotate our our, our players and all that kind of stuff uh but i think on the whole, he could be comparatively happy with what he did this evening. I liked his link up play. He had a couple of decent digs. What did you think, Harry, about Jota's performance tonight? Because we might not get back to him again. No, definitely the most, uh, so, yeah, most encouraging performance we've seen from him for a long time, I think. Uh, uh, I think towards the end of last season, I mean, even when he was scoring goals, I think pe- people would sometimes criticise his link play, uh, the way in which he dovetailed with some of the other players. And I thought that was a particular sort of strong point tonight and it, and it needed to be right and we, we needed the intensity from everybody in the team we needed we needed sort of players backing each other up uh and we'd seen bobby have have relative struggles doing the role which we'd seen him sort of thrive in at his best where he links the play really well uh you know battles to to open up space for those around him so i thought yeah i, I thought it was a different kind of performance that we necessarily have come to associate all the time with jota but i thought it was a really encouraging one, and probably sort of from what I've seen so far this season, I th- I thought the three of them gelled pretty well. To be honest, I, I think they were they were they were set up narrower than I think we've seen some of the front threes so so far this season anyway. So so that was a pretty obvious change. But they just seem to be closer together, dovetailing better with each other than we've necessarily seen from the front three so far this season, and. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he he was a big miss at the start of the season for some of the qualities that he brings to this side. So it was just good to see him uh, back and looking as fit as he did. Yeah, and all we need now is for him to get back to his dead-eyed best and start scoring goals yeah. for fun again. And Dave, to take you from that 16 minute, 16th minute goal to uh, their equaliser, there's some lovely stuff in this intervening period. Uh, 
Thiago, who was the outstanding footballer in the park on 20 minutes. He just does tattage up like a kipper. Uh, then Timber has no choice but to just to take him out because what else he going to do with this guy? Because he's just he's just doing his little outside the foot turns away from people. It's so it's a trademark thing. It's it's gorgeous to watch, and lads have no answer to it. Twenty one minutes. Uh, Simicus uh, has a ball that's knocked down by Van Dijk. And Luis Diaz drove narrowly wide across the face of goal from right to left. It possibly could and should have done better in terms of his placement if we're being really ruthless. Uh, 22 minutes, uh, fantastic work again by Thiago. This time we see Jota with the shot. It's a good hard dig. It's a few yards wide, if we're being honest. And on 23 minutes, Ali, who was fantastic with his distribution all night, Pings a ball out to Jota on the left-hand side. Uh, his centre is met by Mo Salah, who's coming in from the right towards the left-hand post. Uh, but Danny Blind is kind of matching him pace for pace. And you have to say, you know, it might stick in your craw with his uh, ex-associations. But he is a good defender and he does enough to put Mo off. Mo, in fact, gets the last touch. And then out of the blue, Dave, you know, the old Liverpool fucking Achilles heel, the the opposition who are one shot, one goal or two shot, two goals. That horrible phase of our past that you and I both remember, it was before we were podcasting or maybe at the very start of when we were podcasting, but it used to be a thing. Uh, and it was it's kudos. Now, look, it's a simple ball down the line from Blint to Alvarez. Alvarez is pulled back is simple and straightforward. What kills me about it is not the fact that the ball down the line is not intercepted. It's not the fact that the pullback is so inevitably going to hurt us. It's the fact that Bergwijn could have hit it, but it suits Kudus more. He's coming in to meet it on his left foot. Now, when he does make contact with it, he wraps his foot around it in a way that is absolutely picture-perfect, pings it into the postage stamp area, uh, and against the, the the frame of the goal in a way that you're never saving power, curl, whip. You just you you will not say that. Nobody's saving that goal ever. It's a wonderful hit. It's everything that leads up to that that hurt me in my soul. I'm going. Why are we still so fucking vulnerable to one attack? They had one attack, Dave. Mm. So. There's a bit of context there. We're doing wonderfully. There's some beautiful play by the Reds. I described some of it there. Thiago's majestic. Mo's doing well. Simicus is doing well. Jota's uh, to the fore. And then we cough it up like that. What's your take on that part of the match? I've said to you before, you're only ever as good as your weakest link. And unfortunately, when you play Trent at right back and Harvey Elliott at right midfield, you have quite the sizable weak link defensively. Um, Berghaus makes the run down the wing no one goes with him not really sure why Bergvine is standing about three yards behind Harvey Harvey's far too focused on the ball and doesn't realise and then doesn't track him so Bergvine just runs into a central area Fabinho doesn't get across quick enough Trent I, I, I assume Trent is trying to block the ball back towards Blind because otherwise his positioning makes 
no sense. Because he, he should really have, when you're looking he at it. should have gone with Bergvine. Yeah, he should have been aware and he should have tried or, or, to get across. Or, or Alvarez, right? Wasn't that who did the pullback? Yeah, Alvarez. He, he should really have matched the role of Alvarez, shouldn't he? It, it, yeah, but the ball is played behind him and Matt yeah, goes sure. to yeah. meet him. So my, my assumption is the trend holds back thinking he's not going anywhere from that corner. He might yeah. try and play it back to blend. I'll block that pass. But Bergvine makes that run from right behind, literally behind Harvey. Like he's about three, four yards behind him. Makes that run. Harvey doesn't go with him. Trent is doing whatever it is Trent is doing. Fab doesn't get across quick enough. And the ball is played into Bergvine. Kudos takes it off his toes. And like you said, I mean, it's it's picture perfect. The, the strike is unbelievable. The power he generates and where he puts the ball. There's no keeper in the world that's saving that. But we've seen it time and again. Like Harvey, as as talented as he is, he is absolutely awful defensively. Absolutely awful defensively. He's, he doesn't have any awareness. He has no spatial awareness, no tactical discipline, no positional discipline or awareness. He's far too ball-focused. And because he doesn't have a whole lot of strength or, or pace, he can't recover the way we would require in that position. That's not the knock on the kid, because... He is just a kid, he's, and he's not the one picking himself. But he's just not up to the task required in that role off the ball. He had five ground duels today and lost all of them. I mean, that's not, not a good sign. You know, that's you're just a little bit too small, a little bit too weak. The fact of the matter is, Trev, Harvey Elliott isn't a midfield player. He's a winger. He is a winger. He will remain a winger. And Klopp can try and stick feathers up his arse all he wants. He's not going to turn him into a chicken, Do you know. He, he just, oh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> he, he, you know, he can play him in midfield all you want. He's not going to be a midfielder, certainly not anytime soon, and certainly not within a time frame that's going to benefit this team. Um, he he can offer different things on the ball, and there was moments today where he got on the ball and he got the ball moving and he was jinking in and out and making things look really good. But off the ball, he is a complete liability and. With with how Trent is tasked with playing and how high up the pitch he has to get, it, it's just not feasible for us to have Harvey in that role because normally Joel can slide across to uh to right back to cover for Trent. Fab will drop in at centre back, and whether it's Henderson if he's in position, Naby, whoever in that right sided role, will just drop back in into central midfield and form a double pivot with whoever the, the left-sided midfielder is. And we've been doing that since Ginny Wijnaldum was at the club. Like, Matt de Gomez would go to right-back, Fab would drop to centre-back, or even just a little bit in, in front of Virgil, and the, the two eights would close in as a double pivot, and they just hold things together. And we did it when it was Henderson, Fabinho, and Wijnaldum, we did it when, when it was... Thiago, Fabinho and Wijnaldum and it made us near bulletproof in transition now we stopped being bulletproof in transition last year because Henderson's legs have gone, he's become quite the liability defensively himself because he doesn't have the legs he was like Harvey, he's a ball a ball watcher as well, he's far too drawn to the ball but Henderson had that power and that pace to get back into position 
that Harvey just doesn't have. And unfortunately, it, it, it's cost us today. It's not solely his fault, but it is a big factor. Trent needs to do better. Bab needs to do better. But Harvey just needs to do the fundamentals and he can make some sort of intervention in that build-up. I think that's absolutely fair. And it's not hanging the kid out to dry because he's being asked to do a thing that he's not actually capable he's never, of He's never done before. He's never done it before. He is a yeah. kid. Yeah. And he is a kid. And it's important to remember, he is 19 years of age. So I'm not blaming him in the slightest. He, he in truth, shouldn't know where he's meant to be at this point in his career because, like I say, he is a winger. He, he's, his midfield career comprises of about 15, 16 games. Well, he's that's a winger. It. That's it. And the people, the, the, you, you'll find lunatics who are uh, probably because of something as simple as a price tag who are going all out to eulogize every single touch and defend every single thing that's that darwin nunez has done and not be in any way critical at all uh and they will be hanging harvey out to dry and 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 and, and these these you know the balance is where it's at folks i suppose is what i'm saying the the first half after that there is a trend half volley to be fair from about 30 yards which is just narrowly over on the half hour mark on 35 minutes Trent puts in a corner Virgil we won everything in the air Virgil stoops to head it powerfully at goal but it's a great save to be fair to uh, their <laughs> decrepit goalkeeper and then as the ball parries away from him an Ajax player is moving back towards his goal I'm not sure who it was and directs the ball back towards his own goal from that parry uh, and it goes straight to the keeper and at that stage as Dave said earlier on you're starting to look and wonder is it going to be one of them 41 minutes Joel goes on one of his adventures he puts in Luis Diaz Uh, Luis Diaz plays it to Trent and Trent's shot with his left foot when he cuts in is saved and he has a rebound effort with his right foot and it goes out for a goal uh, a corner kick from that corner kick Virgil heads into the ground and the ball hops up into the keeper's hands the second half Harry begins like this Bergwijn has an early opportunity to pull the ball back to kudos and there's Mo Salah tracking back and making a vital intervention. That's how the second half starts, if we're going to be perfectly honest about the, the, the way that things went. But from that, we break, and Jota carried the ball a great distance, beating men as he did so, and hit a hard dig. But it was low and hard, and you mentioned early on, so many of our shots are at the keeper. I think I mentioned the stats at the start. I, I, I went down my way to talk about the stats. Liverpool had 24 shots tonight to Ajax's three. We had 10 shots on target to their one uh, and 58% of the ball. So that's a little bit of context for what we're chatting about here. Uh, to continue, uh, Harry, a little bit up as far as halfway of this half, uh, 50 minutes, there's a Simicus free from the left-hand side. Uh, again, Virgil meets it. Again, he is comparatively unchallenged. He seems to get up a bit too early this time, and it's not uh, the connection you'd want. 53 minutes, there's a long ball by Virgil uh, to Trent. Uh, it's a ball forward, a diagonal ball forward, and Trent finds himself in a really advanced position on the right-hand side of their box. 
uh, sorry, as we're looking at it. Uh, I, I'm not sure what Trent did here. He had a lot of time. He seemed to have a lot of time. And he executes a rough enough back heel that's just about reached by Mo Salah. He gets a little touch, nice delicate touch to Harvey Elliott. And Harvey kind of curls a token effort at the keeper. You'd like to say it's a chance, but it's not really the, the, the shot by Harvey's poor. 58 minutes, Alvarez picks up a yellow card for a late challenge and shot. And again, like I said earlier on, our pal who's uh, blown the whistle, Mr. Diaz, Arthur Diaz, he's reluctant enough to to use his whistle much. Uh, Mo Salah on the 60-minute mark, Harry, is being wrestled by Bassey. Uh, and then Shirley decides to not just wrestle, grab his arms, grab his upper arms, but literally shove him to the side. Yeah. And 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 Bassi's a unit bigger than Mo by a considerable uh, amount, as is usually the case. And Arthur Diaz is staring at this. And I'm going to stop here for a second because I want to get your take on this and we'll, we'll, we'll push on a bit then. Arthur Diaz is staring at this and he sees nothing. He sees nothing, Harry. And I, for one, as a Liverpool fan, am sick to the fucking back teeth of this. How is it possible? Please tell me that I am being some sort of, uh, you know, uh, red-tinged, uh, one-eyed imbecile who is simply wanting to see decisions given to my team because I don't understand the game. Please tell me that that's the case. Then I can possibly go away and understand why it is that Mo Salah is assaulted game after game, assaulted with literally nothing done by referees. It's starting to get bananas. Like it's gone from being, am I a bit of a conspiracy theorist? Um, Broken machine gun. Seems as though Mo Salah is not getting decisions. To now, it's so flagrant that I think I'm actually mental. Help me out here, will you? It would be easier, wouldn't it? It would be easier if uh, if I could sort of back up, back up the referees in these situations and sort of back up rival fans. But no, I think it's 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 pretty clear. I mean, we were used to Sadio actually getting pretty rough treatment in the yeah, European exactly. competition from, from from memory. Just seemed to win absolutely nothing and then get penalised for any slight sort of uh, showing of discontent or frustration like that that would come from the fact that he was getting absolutely nothing from from the refs all game. And then uh, Salah, I mean. Salah, could suggest Salah's taken over from Arnie, but Salah was already getting this treatment as well. We've seen it regularly in the Premier League that he gets this sort of treatment. So I think whether or not that they just don't realise how strong Salah actually is, so the fact that he's actually still going down under some of these sort of manhandle sort of grappling contests. I mean, he's, he's such a smiley guy, Salah. I mean, like half half the time he seems just bemused by the fact that he's he's winning nothing. But I mean. I, uh, I, I would like him to show a bit more of the Joel Matip outrage, if you will, from from time to time. I thought <laughs> I thought Fabinho did his best impression of that to, tonight on a few occasions. Actually, he was absolutely furious not to not to get the decision on a couple of different occasions where he'd gone in and, and, and thought he'd won the ball, and I thought he'd won the ball as well. But yeah, it's it's it just seems to be the way that Salah is just not getting these decisions, and I'm not really sure what more he can do because I think obviously when he does go down and does try to uh, make you know, more of the contact to sort of show how severe it is. He then gets accused of being, you know, this calculated, calculated diver as well. So it's, it's, it's hard to know 
how he can win other than sort of uh, uh, sort of dribbling past five of these defenders and smashing one to the top corner seems to be the best approach for him and he's, he's usually pretty good at that let's face it so in, in terms of the, the the performance I think you're right Chad there was because of our dominance uh, in, in the air Van Dijk Matip a couple of others as well who were causing lots of trouble uh, I was even thinking back to I can't remember was but I think it was the, the the Jose Mourinho times at United uh, a number of years back now where they got to the Europa League final against this young, promising, exciting Ajax side, as they always are. Uh, and uh, I remember watching it, and this is particularly sort of United in the doldrums at this stage. Fellaini was still there. And I'm not suggesting this is what we were doing, but you got about 20 minutes into that, into that Europa League final and went, oh, United have just played the big guys. They played the big lads. <laughs> just go direct to the big lads. And Ajax is a beautiful, talented, technical team. Are, they're quite small. <laughs> they're struggling to deal with it. And I'm not suggesting there's anything near as simple as that. But there were just a number of occasions today where, uh, I mean, if, if Van Dijk was more ruthless in the air, I mean, he's, he's winning everything. He's just able to direct things in a, uh, anywhere to the left or right of the 38-year-old goalkeeper who you presume wouldn't be the most mobile uh, of uh, of players on that pitch uh, and we would have scored uh, we would have scored more goals but it wasn't to be and uh, but aside from that as you mentioned you know, continuing to to dominate the game maybe not creating the same amount of chances that we would like uh, but the intensity was remained i felt the the control was 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 there tiago was doing plenty of the usual moments that he, he gives us each and every game that sort of make you realize what a wonderful player that he is. But uh, yeah, I was hopeful that our, our, our patience would pay off. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you talk about if Virgil could only, well, his pal does yeah. later on and exactly. uh, more of which, more of which and on. Uh, and Joel does really well. Uh, he, well, uh, sorry, Joel picks up a yellow card on 61 minutes. Uh, I think he does very well because he basically takes one for the team because Bergwijn's launching a counter and then 62 minutes, uh, there's a dangerous ball in uh, from us, but Bassi is there to cope with it. Um, the lad who should have at least one card at this point. 63 minutes, Mo gets in, but he's offside. Uh, he's not actually offside when you look at it. The flag went up uh, and Harvey Elliott misses the rebound that happened from that. Uh, then, Dave, to turn to you and talk about the next chunk of the match, we do our triple sub on 66. A double sub, excuse me. Bob and Darwin come on for Harvey and Jota. And uh, you can see exactly where that's going. That that makes sense in a way. You know, you can see you can see why that why he would be doing that. Uh, Harvey Elliott had been playing sort of in the middle of a of 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 a, of a three, uh, if you like for most of that game taking up positions there at least so you bring Bobby on to do that job uh, and you bring on uh, a, a jo- uh, sorry Darwin to take the place of the lad who was ahead of nominally ahead of all the rest of them which was Jota so we're chasing a game it makes sense to me I have to say I, I would give Klopp kudos for those uh, substitutions they made. They did make sense to me at the time. I thought it was tough-ish on Jota, but fair enough. Yeah, but he's still not fit. That's the, the key here is Jota's still not 100% fit and he's been eased back having missed all of preseason. 
Yeah, so exactly. his minutes have just been ramped up a little bit at a time. So yeah, exactly. it, made, it made sense to bring him off. Bobby made sense, but I, at the same time, I would have preferred to have seen Carvalho than Bobby. Yeah, I, I, I thought the yeah. movement, the, the foot speed would have been what we needed in, the, in that kind of situation because we went to the 4-2-3-1. And interestingly now, that is three games in a row where we've gone to, <clears throat> to 4-2-3-1 late in games. We did it against Napoli. We did it against Everton. And I'm hopeful it's something that Klopp is working on in view of switching the shape to four two three one. Can I not can I can I ask you, did you not think that for a long time when Harvey Elliott was in the field that that was effectively what we were doing as well? Because he looked to me to be in that position. Yeah. Oh yeah, but look, you look at look at any game <laughs> we played last season and the right sided midfielder was playing further advanced and Fab and Thiago or Fab and Naby or whoever it was Oh, of course, much much to your consternation, and we well, we we've we've had that conversation many times. But I wondered to the point that I thought it was a deliberate move. I'll be honest with you. Oh no, I think it is a deliberate move. I like it's just you're also meant to get back, but then you're definitely right. Harvey was playing sort of ahead of the other two, is from the right half space into the middle. So with bringing Bobby on, you're just sort of expanding the area that that player is going to cover uh, because Bobby will cover all the way across. And Harvey was trying to at least stay diligent in his defensive work by staying to the right-hand side. Um, it just it just made it sort of, you know, we're playing for a, a skewed 4-3-3 with Harvey operating in, in this space and Fab and Thiago as a two. But now we're actually playing a three, a flat three behind the striker with without sort of the freedom that Harvey had. So, yeah, I mean, I, I liked the move. Like I said, it it made sense to bring Bobby on, but I, I would have preferred it to be Carvalho because I just think Ajax, the one area I thought we could have joy was to run off the back of their midfield because it happened a couple of times in the game where our players got the far side of their midfielders. Like even Thiago who's not the quickest in the world, he got beyond their midfield a couple of times and they couldn't catch him up. And I thought if Carvalho could get into those spaces on the half turn, they'd have absolute nightmares. And him going at their defenders would cause the defenders to either push towards him or back off him. And either way, he's going to have a pass to Mo, a pass to Darwin, a pass to Diaz, or a shooting opportunity. Whereas with Bobby, he's... I mean, you know, Bobby's dog slow these days, so he's not going to run away from anybody. I think it's a fair point. And I, I, I kind of, I can see exactly why lots of people, including myself, were thinking that would be interesting if we went for Carvalho there in the nominal 10 role. Uh, but he went with Firmino, and to be fair to Firmino, he's done a lot this season to justify that. So that's how it worked out. And, in terms of incidents between that and the end of the game, or at least uh, the big moment that we're going to build towards, um, yeah, I've made a couple of notes here. Darwin Nunes did struggle early on with his touch. Uh, one of them in particular led to a break. Kudus was in. Uh, Ali saved for a play to him at the near post. It was a good save, but it was an offside anyway uh but we know how important those things are psychologically and i was glad to see it 
Trent, uh, Joel headed over a Trent corner in 73 minutes, uh, you know, one to note. On 74 minutes, however, we could have just fucked the whole game up because Blint arrives at the back post to head a Tadic cross back across the face of goal and narrowly wide. And we're opened up. And it's coming from the same area again. And you're just wanting to shout into whatever is around you, whether it's a vacuum or a pillow or whatever. It's just not okay. We need to fix that. Uh, And we've changed the personnel at this stage. We need to fix that. On 77 minutes, Thiago did a lad up like a kipper and had a shot, but was straight at the keeper. Bassi's going down. They're all going down at different stages. On 82 minutes, Matip carried the ball well into their half. He plays it to Bobby Firmino. Bobby plays it to Mo. And this is where Darwin has a chance to roll it home. But as you said earlier on, Dave, I think it's fair. Uh, It was a split second move and our striker could possibly be forgiven for expecting that his pal was going to take an effort on goal 84 minutes Bobby plays the ball into Darwin who cut back rove it across the face for Luis Diaz this is very positive stuff from Darwin Nunes Uh, the keeper got a touch to take it off Luis Diaz's toe where he had a tap in uh, and it goes for a corner. That's 85 minutes. They bring in Brobby for Kudus. On 88, Mo has a shot, and it goes off Bassi. And I want to keep reminding you that this lad should have several yellow cards at this stage. It goes off Bassi and onto the woodwork and goes out for a corner. Who would have thought that that would be the clinching moment of the match? Because it is. From that corner, which is a Simica's outswinger, Joel Matip comes with a fantastic header, uh, superior to the efforts from himself and Joel uh, and Virgil. The two lads had just been dominant. Uh, it goes well over the line uh, before it's cleared by uh, an Ajax defender, and it's 2-1. Now, in the four minutes that are added, we bring on Jimmy Miller for Luis Diaz, and Bacetic for Thiago. And like I said, right back at the start of this half, Fabinho has to go in on Tadic on 94 freaking minutes uh, as he's bearing in on goal. I could really have done without that in my life, I'll be honest. But apart from that, they didn't really do anything in that period. And you can hear as well in the breakdown there, Dave, that... They did nothing in that period. I'm just going to stay with you for this. I'm going to go to Harry for you, for your uh, wind-up thoughts in a minute. We'll finish with Dave. But just on that section of the match, man, clearly the Joel Matip goal, is, is it's a moment of wonder that we can all like revel in. Uh, I think it's well-deserved. Let's just get that cleared up. Let, let there be no doubt about that. This is a well-deserved Liverpool win. Uh, and yet... The anxiety remains because we do seem to have that frailty uh, in terms of not being the sort of unassailable force that we used to be. And it, and it, it sticks in the craw a bit. So what on balance was your take of the, 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 the second half of the second half? Yeah, I thought 
once we made the change, it took a couple of minutes just to, for everybody to figure out where they were meant to be. And then I, I did think we looked dangerous. I thought it was very much panic station defending from them. Um, ball pinging about their box a lot. Lots of their players finding new and interesting injuries that they didn't know they had before. Um, surprised their goalkeeper didn't stay down when their defender rolled over him. Thought that would have been a good 45 seconds of him flopping about. He got up and swung his arm around a little bit just to show, you know, I'm a bit older, I'm a bit tougher. I'll be all right. And carried on. But look, the goal was coming. The goal was coming. We We were... We were starting to get really, really close. Obviously, the Salah shot that hits the hits the woodwork after the deflection from Bassi, the Darwin ball across, the keeper gets a fingertip too, otherwise Diaz is tapping home from a yard out. We were getting closer and closer, and they really couldn't live with us when it was our set pieces. As long as the quality delivery was there, Virgil or Joel or Darwin or Fab were getting involved and causing them problems. It's a great header from from Joel. Um, there is that kind of, oh, did it go in? What's happening? And the referee turns and, and points towards the centre circle to give us the goal that we we had wanted and that we had warranted. And um, I think Jürgen just, I, I wanted to strangle him when I saw Milner standing on the sideline. Like, why would you do that to us? Have we not had enough anxiety without this fella coming on? And he came on, underhit a couple of passes, and then gave the ball away. He did, and almost, almost led to their to their chance. And yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to hear that he's fine to bring on for ten minutes because he's not. You can't even bring him on for four minutes and trust him to do the right things anymore. Yeah. Um, but look, we get out of there with the win, and that is all that really matters. We get the win; it's a deserved win. It's a much needed win, and Liverpool end September on the 13th of the month with a win, a draw and a defeat. So uh, it's not ideal. It's not what we would have wanted, but we'll take it. And now Jürgen has a couple of weeks to plot things for when the games will restart after the international break. And um, I just hope that the, the intensity that we saw in flashes today is something that we can start to sustain moving forward. It's notable to me that Thiago comes back into the team and all of a sudden we look like a football team again. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Jürgen, yeah, Jürgen has built a machine. I said this to you before, Jürgen has built a machine and unfortunately there's only one guy that knows how to, how to operate it. And thankfully he's now back and he was he was unbelievable tonight, not just on the ball, but I mean... He's flinging himself into tackles. He's clattering into lads. He's showing what it is to be an all-round midfielder. Like, yeah. That's why he's one of the best midfielders of his generation. He is the all-round midfielder. He's not this luxury player. Like, Remember when we signed him and people said he wouldn't work and he was too much of a luxury player? Other than Fabinho, he's the best defensive midfielder at the club. And he's also the best midfielder at the club on the ball. So... Yeah, world class. I'll be back to you for your wrap ups. And can I just entirely agree with that? I would imagine there's some stat out there to back me up, but even if there's not, the eye test will tell you that five foot fuck all Tiago wins more headed aerial duels 
than the majority of center halves. You just don't mess with this kid. Harry, let me get your final thoughts on a match which saw Liverpool return to winning ways. Much, much needed. Uh, we're back on an even keel in the Champions League, even if it does still stick in the craw very much, what happened on the, on the opening day. It's back now, you would imagine, in our hands to control our fate. Uh, that's the bare minimum we demand, and at least we're there now. Yeah, hard, hard not to be delighted when when Joel Matip scores sort of a late winner for you. I think it's, you know, we've, we, we've discussed many, many times the different sort of, the, the different types of joy Joel Matip can provide, um, whether it be sort of quirks in the way in which he plays or sort of moments like that, even though he sometimes has a 50p. 50p head when we're watching him from set pieces but was what <laughs> was, was delighted to see him him come out trouble you can see the players as well clearly adored in the uh, in the dressing room as well so a huge win really really important and it has the actual performance as well to, to see the team look more more cohesive um, more in control of the game i think you both mentioned tiago coming back in in, in that left-sided role uh, yeah, naturally we're going to look better with a with a midfielder of that that quality in that role who can do so many aspects of the role as you were you and Dave were talking about. I, it, it does stick in my craw a little bit. I have to, I have to admit that that it's I, I'm I'm not going to reduce it to this, but it's lo and behold you put in a midfielder who actually sits alongside Fab, doesn't go marauding into the box, and then can't get back and controls the ball for the vast majority of the game. I, I don't think that guy needs to be Thiago necessarily. I think you could have another player um, who, who could have some of those qualities. And not, I'm not naming anybody in our squad. I'm just saying that profile of player, it shouldn't be too hard to, to realize that's what has been missing either side of uh, either side of Fab. And even some of those chances you mentioned around you know, the, the, the blind chance or a couple of the, of the chances where they got in on our right side, um, or, or on Trent's side rather it's yeah you Elliot's a wonderfully talented player but I think there could be there could be something to be said about uh, you know one not judging him too harshly and not expecting too much out of a 19 year old winger who's playing in midfield a little bit uh, and, and actually demanding that yeah in those positions you play midfielders who understand the role and are capable physically uh, and mentally of doing the role. I, I, I don't think, I'm not trying to reduce the issues that we've been going through to something as simple as that, but it does stick in my craw a little bit that once we get a sort of a vaguely uh, sort of functioning midfield unit back again with one of the world's best midfielders, let's be fair, that yeah, it looks, it suddenly looks like things make a little bit more sense and we're able to sustain attacks in a better way than we have been able to. So yeah, I'm hoping that we're learning the right lessons from this, and I'm hoping the coaches are learning the right lessons from this as well. They know much more about football uh, than, than I do, but it would still be great if they didn't uh, uh, bring on, yeah, bring on James for the for the final however many minutes it was. Uh, I try very hard not to dig out specific players, but um, I, I, I really with with Milner, given the the level of that performance before this one. I, I would have been happy not to see him for a, for a few games, j- j- just to symbolise really how bad that performance was. Again, similar to Ellie, who looked at Milner and said, it's not really his fault that he's been put in this position, but it was so bad <laughs> that I didn't want him to be out there again for for a while. And as you both mentioned, he had a, 
he, he didn't have a, a sparkling cameo, but I'm not going to end it being negative. Obviously, delighted with the win. I uh, hope it's going to be a weird rest of the month with us not playing at all. But uh, I'm hoping that we can spend more time on the on the training pitch and more time drilling the shape, drilling that intensity that we saw today. Hopefully, getting some of the other players back fully fit. Jota, who you mentioned, getting Nunes even more up to speed as well. Uh, hopefully, Kanate comes back during this period as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping we can use this as a positive springboard, but it is a bit of a weird one to just have this game and uh, nothing until October, Trev. Yes, so weird. And we on the channel, so that you know if you're listening live or not, will be filling up that time period of useless international Mm -hmm. football with uh, lots of good content. So don't worry about that. Uh, I heard Dave flagging earlier on his show that myself and himself will be doing on the books i know harry will will be pitching in we'll or we we will all endeavor to create as much content as we can for you uh you won't miss the fact that it's not a regular schedule so don't worry about that so do keep your eyes peeled for all the stuff that's coming up it will be good it will be entertaining i can guarantee you that we're going to do some raw retros as well so hopefully harry will get in on that act too and harry just before i let you go anything you want to flag up with folks that you do have coming up in the next while liverpool related yeah so obviously there's 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 a couple rival recons that have been queued up uh ahead of some of these games that have been suspended so they'll be out obviously when those games when those games come back but i think i might be doing some check-in shows as well with some of the yeah, the, did that sort of top uh, top five, top six series at the start of the season. I, I may just check in with some of them to see how they're actually feeling in terms of how, how certain clubs have started the season. We know it's been turbulent for a number of them uh, in some interesting ways. Uh, Chelsea was a show that we were going to do prior to this, what was supposed to be this weekend's game anyway. Uh, I think there's there's plenty to catch up with them so that, yes, there could be some uh, some sort of brief check-in shows with the with the top six to see how they how they expected to start the season and how they actually have started the season uh, as we enter into this sort of weird uh, break ahead of the international break fantastic and if you have any sense about you at all you will pay attention to everything that mr sethi is doing by way of podcasts uh a lad who knows exactly what he's doing when he's putting the show together great to listen to always and dave take us home in terms of your final thoughts any plugs you have for the week um just very very happy to have gotten a victory and uh we now get a couple of weeks without having the pain of watching uh, us potentially lose football matches and hopefully by the time games come back this team have remembered who they are and uh, remembered how to string a, a run of games together you know you win win a game you win two games that's back-to-back victories you win three all of a sudden it's a winning run and that's positive. That's what we want to see. Um, just uh, Kieran nine nine. The one game Joel Matip scored in that we didn't win. Uh, that was a draw. Was the Community Shield he scored against City? Game ended in a draw, but we did lose on penalties. Uh, I believe that is the game in question. Um, as for me, two footed every day, daily red every day. There'll be a couple of scouteds that we'll do over. The, uh, the break, we might have a look at the World Cup maybe, and some players to watch and things like that and uh, they'll be on the books with yourself and uh, we'll get a couple of raw retros in as well and we'll get plenty of content for folks 
100%. Myself and Dave are going to be chatting about uh, the Roy Keane book next. And we're going to get that one out to you over the weekend so that that will be rolling into the start of the dark period, which is next week and the fortnight that that entails. So look, let's wrap it up at that point. It's been fantastic to talk about a Reds win, which was deserved, uh, which had no qualifying issues which had a dramatic last-minute winner. Uh, I will take that every day of the week. I've been Trev Downey. That was Dave Hendrick. That was Harry Sethi. Guy Drinkle was producing. We'll be back with you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.